Yes, coming in hot with episode three of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined here by Jobber. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Sean. I just enjoyed uh, watching City get knocked out. How are you? Yeah, Yeah, not too bad. I'm feeling the fatigue a little bit, actually. Um, Four mornings in a row of 5 a.m. starts. So, yeah, it's starting to wear thin. But, um, yeah, we're we're through these these batch of games and onto the semi. So, feeling better now. Ah, uh, no, you've got to join that 5am club, mate. Um, so, yeah. this week's question. Hit me. So, <laughs> Barcelona copped an incredible eight, and Gerard Piquet was brave enough to front the media and claim they needed a top-down review. That was brave, wasn't it? Uh, I have some feelings around that. Um, I'd say it'd be braver to turn up on the park, Gerard. Um, so, he wants a review particularly around the transfer policy. So that got me thinking, what was your favourite transfer flop? Oh, flop. Yeah, see, that's a little twist on the question, isn't it? Um, the flop, oh, I suppose you could say you when you moved from SSNA to Melrose all those years ago. That really flopped. No, but um, I would say it is probably Robinho when he first joined Manchester City. So Manchester City get taken over, got a lot of cash to spend and they're throwing money around at anyone that they can get who's a name and they they landed um, Robinho and he got over there and reports say that when he landed and had to hold the shirt and get the photo taken, um, he said to his manager or his handler, um, I thought we were red. So, yeah, that, that was probably my, my biggest flop. He went on to score a couple of goals um, for Man City but I think for the – for the money they spent and the, the hype around, you know, that first signing, he was a real flop. I was lucky enough to see him actually at the um, Etihad Stadium when they had first had that first um, mismatch of players like the old garden and then all those um, all those big signings that they bought in. So you've got um, Rubinho on one side and Damien Duff running down the other side. What about you, you mate? You, Rubinho and Duff, that's not a bad crowd for City. Um, <laughs> my my favourite one spot. goes back to... The 90s, so I am a 90s child, um, and there was a bloke by the name of Ali Deer, and he, he was ringing people up, and this is in the days where you could actually ring someone up for a transfer, and he was claiming to be George Weyer's cousin, and George Weyer was the best footballer on the planet at that point. Yeah, and, Ballon d'Or um, at that point, yeah. Ballon d'Or, and uh, <laughs> Ali Deer turned up, and apparently he'd been around the clubs, but like not in the information age, so he turned up to Port Vale, they didn't want him. Um, Tony Portis was in charge of killing him and he said, we had him here on a trial and the lad was rubbish. And then somehow he's talked his way into um, <laughs> talked his way into Harry Redknapp Southampton. Jeez. Um, and yeah. they, were in the prim, they were in the prim at that stage. They were, yeah. And the best, the best description of him was Matt Letizia saying he ran around like Bambi on ice. Oh, come so, on, Matt. <laughs> so that, that was my favourite ever transfer flop. Letizia would have said that as he cracked a volley from 25 yards into the to the top corner too. Um, so we might dive into the running order. So we've got the Champions League wrap, which um, which I'm really looking forward to, and then we'll preview the semis. Just touch on the Europa League. Eh, don't really want to spend a lot of time on that. Um, and then transfer chat, and then everyone's favourite, the the mailbag. And how's the mailbag? How's it going? Is it a bit. 
Uh, the streets tell me it's a little bit down this week because you forgot to give the email out last week's pod. Um, yes, I can come in for some heavy criticism. And I, like, mm. you know, you're doing something great when you start getting um, online haters and bullies. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I've just got to wear that this week. But yeah, look, I'll remember. So that is uh, football played on paper at gmail.com. Um, there we go. And uh, just make sure you, you lick your letters before you send them through. <laughs> All right, very good. So we'll dive into the Champions League wrap and um, we won't go in order of games. We'll go on to the biggest talking points and that has to be Barcelona and Bayern. So, like, I'm not really sure where to start here. I suppose you start at the score, 8-2. They got battered, didn't they? Yeah, was was 8-2 a fair reflection on the performance? Oh, yeah. Like 10 or 11 might have been more appropriate. Mm. Um that was that was the craziest game I've seen in some time. Yeah. Like Barca, Barca had some early chances. Like so sorry, this is Barca had early chances after Messi uh, sorry, after Muller had already scored. And then yes. Messi Muller. hits the post. David Alaba <laughs> scores an own goal and now we're at the end of the first 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So at that stage, um, what I think Bayern had scored three and were winning two one. Yeah, yeah. And like the, I don't, I don't know. You you feel like you see a game like that and you're like, oh, they're nervous or something. It's going to settle down, and it just didn't. Mm. Um, yeah, there was goals goals in that game. Like I think, especially early, both teams going forward looked like they were going to score. That changed to. At about the thirty-minute mark, where every time Bayern went forward, they looked like they were going to score, and um, Barcelona looked a little bit impotent. But I think the biggest difference um, that jumped out was that it looked like that Bayern were just superior athletes, and so I think the football ability of both sides was was close. I think you could argue Barcelona um, has got some more technical players in there, but just the athleticism of Bayern is the biggest difference. It looked like they were, yeah, full-blown super athletes um, just playing against, um, you know, a bunch of, I don't know, maybe like, you know, you see an under-21 squad where they're technically very good um, but just haven't grown to their to their bodies or developed the, um, the leg strength and the power and the fitness that, that they need to. So it just looked like that they were, yeah, just far in inferior to, to Bayern. Um, I just noted down here that um, I think I only saw a Barca player run past or break a line of um, Bayern's team twice and both times were Jordi Alba and both times um, Barcelona scored. But apart from that, Barcelona just didn't have the legs. I think I mentioned in the last pod that they were just going to get overrun in the midfield. Um, Bayern just looked way too powerful. Um, in in the midfield, completely controlled the game from a physical point of view, and really physically just bullied um, Barcelona. Yeah, it was it was interesting um, in that respect because, like, I don't know, Barcelona just seemed to stand off. I don't know if they were standing off them in the midfield like Goretzka, Thiago, um, or they just couldn't keep up. Like they they just looked a bit flat and they looked kind of lazy. Like they didn't track their run as well. Um, oftentimes it was just like a a fairly slick one too, and they were in behind. Um, and then that Serge Nabry goal, um, that's a clever flick from Goretzka. But like he's got to be, a, he's got time to sort of sum it up and quickly have a glance over the shoulder. And then <laughs> I don't know what Longley's doing, but it just yeah. seems so easy. 
It did. And the, the pass that um, went into um, Gretzka's feet um, from Tiago was a look-away pass. And you know I'm a big fan of the look-away pass. Go and watch the replay of that. He just turns his head, looks away, and then just zings it into his feet where it gets clipped over the top. And then that there is an example of the the power um, and the strength of and the athleticism difference I'm talking about where um, Serge Canabry just pushes past him, um, shrugs him off, and just cracks a volley into the bottom corner. It's um it's good to see Thomas Muller on the score sheet too. He's he's a player I like um, because he doesn't fit in a traditional structure. Like if you were to play, I know you love your FFA curriculum four three three, and he doesn't really fit anywhere in there. But he's just so good. Yeah, well he he got two goals and I think his second was the oh, the first one's quite good as well. But I think the second was the the pick for me where he just he just worked harder. Um, and just got across the the defender, and a nice little um, right foot flick in, into the corner. Just had too much too much power, but yeah, the, the timing of the run, the quality of that run. You see him stand off, pick his run, run across the defender, flick it in. Yeah, great goal. Um, yeah, I think the Barcelona have um, some deeper problems, don't they? Do you want to get into into that and have a look at how how deep these problems run? So one of one of the things I noted was one of the the best moments of the game there is um, Afonso Davies burning Nelson Semedo. So Nelson Semedo's probably not up to Barcelona class, like that's abundantly clear. But I think the, like the problem I had with that was he gets burned, but like absolutely no one's supporting him. Like you know Davies is fast, you know he's like Alfonso Davies is going to go past five hundred more players like that in his career, but they're all just standing there watching, and like that back four, like to cop one. You know, that's not great, two, three, four. But, like, no one stands up. So I think that team, like, it really lacks leadership and lacks a bit of, in the words of the great Diego Simeone, a bit of kahunas. Um, And then I'm thinking, does Messi have too much power? Well, I think if you're saying it lacks leadership, I think if you look at the top, Messi's the captain there. And so um, I suppose the natural thing is to turn to him. But I think he he leads by... um, by playing and any style of play and and what it how he drives the team forward actually on the pitch, you know, you've got a couple of different um, style of captains where you've got one who can shout and, and rant and rave and, and g everyone up, um, and then you've got by someone who leads by the by their football and and Messi's in that second category he leads by his football so yeah you probably need someone to balance the team and um, yeah do some of that more um, driving and, and more disciplinarian stuff that um, needs to get done as well. The good news for Barca there is their record signing got a double, so it's not all bad news. It's just it was yeah. against them. Yeah, so I, I want to talk about that. So um, Coutinho um, is a Barcelona player, and he got loaned out to Bayern Munich, um, and he started on the bench. He, he come on, um, got an assist, mm-hmm. and scored two goals. Um, so no, normally when um, you've got a player out on loan like that, um, especially when they're a club from the same country. You put in a clause in there that they can't play against their parent club. Now, I think when they travel overseas and are playing for a, a club in another country, um, I think the natural thing to do would be to leave that clause out, which they did, and now he's come back and he can play against the his parent club um, and he come on and, and did some damage. So I think he, he did do that um, non-celebration um, type thing as well though. Yeah, scored. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that really matters at that point. Well, I think you wouldn't be celebrating no matter who you played with goals seven and eight. Um, it just just seems so naive from Barcelona. Like 
they don't they don't want the player, but like you don't want him coming back and scoring against you, even if you're already like you've already had the damage done. Yeah. yeah, just just stupid. But I think that just sums up the ineptitude of their transfers. Like yeah. Griezmann, Griezmann's what a hundred odd million. He looked mm. completely lost. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> Artichuran just finished his contract the other day, and he was well, a big signing. Yeah. No. Um, mm. and then Usman Dembele is always injured. Like they just they picked a really expensive solution to often a problem they didn't have or a problem that yeah. wasn't the most pressing. Like yeah, they really, well, I think they tried to get out in front of um of some of these problems potentially. That's what they did. Yeah. Well, the other thing that was interesting about PK's interview was he gave the interview and then the president came out afterwards and said, "Oh, yep, yeah, you know, Gerard's right. Um, we've known about some of these problems for some time. I'm like, well, why, why aren't you solving them?" Why aren't you doing more to fix them? Hmm. And then they just go and sack the manager. But my understanding is that Setien wasn't there for the long term. He was just like uh, throwing it at, stumping at a problem that they were going to sack him in six months anyway. Yeah. So, I, like, obviously you can't um, be the manager of Barcelona or lose 8-2 and keep your job. So, yeah, he, he got fired before he left the, the stadium, I, I think, which is which is consistent with, <laughs> with uh, Barcelona's brand and, and what they want to do. So... Um, do you want to go into who takes that job now? I think Poch is the the one that people are throwing around at the moment. But obviously, a few years ago, he said that line um, where he um, he wanted to he managed Espanyol and, and played for them, and he'd never uh, managed Barcelona. So, is it time to go back on that quote? Uh, I'm going different. I think it'll be Xavi because um, I think that I still think that they are. Um, a club that's driven by their culture and their history more so than moving forward, which is part of their problem. And I think that's is part of their solution. So I think it'll be Javi just because he fits that bill. Um, I think Poch is a much better option. But you also need someone who's going to be brave enough to go in there and, like, you've got to clean that joint out. Like, they need to accept that they're not going to win anything for a couple of years and, yeah. like, just start again. Yeah. So that's my other question for you. So you say they they're not ready to win anything in the next couple of years, which I I think I agree with. And so if you're Messi, and essentially you have what do you want to call it, two years left at the at the very top, where he can control games um, to the extent that he does, he's probably got um, two years left to to do that. I'd say, um, and yeah, you can't see Barcelona challenging for any major titles anytime soon with the squad they've got, it is going to take longer than um, that two years or it's going to take two years to rebuild and get in a position to win some of these trophies. So if you're Messi, what do you do? I think there's, I think if you're Messi, you probably stay unless you're pushed. Um, but then I suppose if the new manager comes in and there's someone who's brave, um, do they sort of give him a push a bit earlier and say, we're trying to build for five years, potentially you're the best football the club's ever had but you're not going to be in those plans um i don't know what do you think yeah i think so what i think is going to happen and what i would do if i was messy are two different things so what i think is going to happen is i think they are not going to challenge for any major titles in the next couple of years i mean they'll float around um the um la liga just because they are who they are but i don't think they're any real real danger of, of winning that and far from favorites so i think messi's what i think happens is messi stays there um and they don't challenge for any titles and i just think that's going to be a shame that he's going to go two years um if you know he's prime football before he starts to really decline in terms of age um without any trophies what i would do if i was messi i would just sort of realize that hey you've got two years left 
um, go somewhere and try and win something. Go, go somewhere and try and try something different, especially for these last two years. And you know the team that you're with isn't in a position to challenge for anything. Um, yeah, I'd go somewhere and try and win something, somewhere different. Back to Newell's old boys would be nice. So from one Barcelona legend to the next, the bald fraud. Mm. <laughs> His head looked like he's, it was going to explode with that third goal. It was so he red. He looked angry. He looked so angry. And I think when he was um, drinking that drink bottle before he slammed it onto the ground, um, he was like shaking. The drink bottle was like shaking in his, in his hand as he's taking a sip. He looked furious. Do you think he's a man who knows he's going to be unemployed very soon? <laughs> yeah, he's no chance of losing their, his job, I don't think, um, simply because who are you going to get to replace him? <laughs> yeah. uh, Kike Setien's currently available. Yeah, that's um, true. I, <laughs> they, were, they were entirely unconvincing, and I think Leon probably deserved it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think Pep, I don't know if he overthought it or they were just tired, but they just couldn't seem to break him down. And all those errors that they've been making at the back – just happened to come again because the the first goal from uh, I think it was Cornet. I think Edison probably could do better with his positioning, but it's a bit of a like it's a bit of a problem there. But like just a high line, pretty straightforward, and a good challenge from Eric Garcia. But they just get themselves into such bad positions. Yeah. Um, so Leon three one. I think they deserved it. Um, Man City played a, a back three and Johnstone still didn't get in the back three when they had three centre-backs to play. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought Lyon were deserved winners and deserved to go through. They played with a really low block and, and Man City just couldn't break them down. I think if you're going to beat Man City, I think that, that's the way to play them. Go a low block and so don't allow them any space to get in behind you. I think what happens is when other teams, um, not, not press, but sort of um, play a higher line than um, Leon did. I think they get him – there's too many pockets of space and Man City have got too many good players to find those pockets and, and break teams down. So, yeah, that really worked well for Leon playing a, a low block. The I touched on it the last week and probably the week before. It's just Sterling's finishing. Like late doors, I think it was 2-1. Um, Leon were up 2-1. The balls just come across the, the six-yard box. And um, and Sterling's got a, a chance just to tap it in with his left foot. He he's predominantly right-footed, opens up his body, looks tired, leans back and clips it over the bar. Um, and from that point on, you knew Leon were going through. Um, Dembele coming on, um, looked good and changed the game, got his two goals. Um, you said um, Edison, his positioning was out on the first goal. What about the third goal? Could he have done better on that? I think he... He's just poured it straight down um, to Dembele's feet to tap in. Um, I think he was a bit unsighted there. Like, it's a pretty tricky one because I think it might go, like, either next to the defender's legs or maybe even through. I'd be I'd be pointing fingers at Cancelo. He's standing there doing nothing. Like, yeah, sleeping. And, yeah. Like, and even Dembele looks like he has time to tuck that away, which is pretty worrying six yards mm. out from goal. Um, he's one of those – Cancelo's one of those luxury defenders that – it looks great in attack, but um, doesn't really do much at the back. But, but yeah, I think overall, Leon were pretty good for it. Um, I now understand why Kane didn't square it up at the World Cup. Um, stealing yeah. over the bar, some raw wounds. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like City just, I don't know if they bottled it, but like Kevin De Bruyne and Sterling were the only two that looked like capable of breaking through. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think they deserve to go through. Um, and I think that that was a shock. I, I, like you and I didn't predict that at all. And um, yeah, all the betting companies definitely didn't have them um, going through. So yeah, I think good job to Leon to to go through and um, and push past City. So anything else in that game, or should we dive into the energy drink in Athleti? No, let's go through to Arby. They're through. The boys, eh? They're through. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? Yeah, not not me. I, I think and you actually. I think we both tipped that lady there as well. So um, there's another one wrong. So um, yeah, um, the energy drink got through two one. I think for me, um, Athleti looked a little bit stiff and a, a bit nervous. Like they didn't really want to dive into the game and, and take it take it on a bit. I think they they were playing a little bit um, reactive, which I, I was a little bit disappointed with. I think what they should have done is try to go a little bit more head to head. Um, with them because I think they've got the the players and the and the game style to to be able to do that and just sort of strangle them and, and as I said take hold of, take hold of the game. Um, Jeff Felix not not starting, um, but come on rather early too. Um, and I, I thought he looked a, a bit of a shining light. So yeah, I'm not sure why he didn't start. I know his form's been a bit um, bit up and down recently. Yeah, I don't think Atletico are that comfortable playing on the front foot. Um, I think they really they like to sit back. I think a lot of their games finished one nil the, throughout the season, um, but they're not they're not the same as the Atletico two or three years ago. Um, yeah, it just seemed to have dropped off. I'd say I'd, my personal opinion is that's based on Simeone's intensity. Like he can't maintain that for so long, and the signing of um, Yeah Felix was trying to step away from that, but then he benched him anyway. Um, he looked good when he came on. I thought they were a bit hard done by, and we might revisit this. I thought that was a pen when the keeper clipped Saul's ankle. Um, but, yeah, I think overall RB did enough. Their first goal from Danny Olmo was such a nice goal. Not the beautiful build-up and then yeah. a header, a flashed header across the front. Um, yeah, I think I think they were good for it overall. I think it's disappointing for Atleti. But, um, yeah, and what about the performance of um, Upper Meccano? The centre back. Yeah, well, I don't know. What do you, are you saying that um, you're saying you're happy with that? Or I thought, he was, I I thought he, up, um, he, for Arby, he, I think he was outstanding. He absolutely he, well, bossed Diego Costa. He he did, but I think so, on the ball, he's just not he's just not as strong. But I suppose it depends how much of the ball you plan on having. Um, but yeah, I think a few people mentioned that that he, he bullied Costa. But I think on the ball, he's he's just not very. I know he just doesn't have the same quality, I suppose. But He's only twenty one. Yeah, you're gonna have the um I mean, who does have those those skills? Who has the skills to bully Diego Costa, but then um, you know, has the, the culture of um being able to get on the ball and play out the back. Not yeah, no. I, I think it's it's I think it'll come for him, but he does look very good. And so did um Sabata and Kevin Campbell, both excellent in the midfield too. Yeah, I thought Campbell was good. Yeah. Um Man City um an ex left back of Man City at um, RB two, yeah, Angelo. Yeah, nice he's shiny head. Real yeah, shiny he's head. from that Pep school of bald fraudiness. Um, okay, so we might move on to PSG versus Atalanta. So um, Atalanta were my my uh, tip of the week, and my god, they were close. You were close, weren't you? Yeah, I think I tipped extra time on on this one, and gee, I was close to that as well. But I think um, so. To me, it kind of looked like that. Um, PSG hadn't played in a while, which is true, and they looked a bit rusty and a bit sh- a bit shaky. But then 
it just took them longer than they expected and probably I expected for them to get in the game. But once they got in the, into the game, um, yeah, I think they, they sort of took over a little bit and obviously got their goals very, very late. Um, 2-1, they go through and um, I think there's no surprise in saying that um, the thing that changed the game was bringing Mbappe off the bench. Was it Mbappe coming on or Gomez going off that changed that game? Yeah, well, I suppose it's got to be Mbappe coming on, doesn't it? He's yeah, he was. He straight away looked. He straight away looked like a Ferrari, didn't he? But um, it really hurt them. Gomez coming off. He just he makes them tick. Um, but in saying that too, I think PSG were probably good for the win on the balance of it. Atalanta scored a really nice goal, not in the build-up, but just in the strike. Um, but the first look, goal. Yeah. That left foot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I think PSG just had too much quality in the end. And Neymar, I thought Neymar was exceptional. He's just so entertaining when he's in full flight, but he just lacked a bit of finishing. Yeah, gee, his finishing was bad, wasn't it? I think, as we said, that's just that rust coming through. But there was there was one where very early on he got slipped through one-on-one, um, got to the keeper, sort of opened up his body and tried to pass it in the corner. And it almost hit the corner flag. It was a long way off. And then there was one a little bit later in the first half he was on his left foot and um yeah went for the top left corner and just absolutely sliced it and just yeah put it in rosette um he didn't hit anyone because there's no one in the stands but um someone would have been um chowing down on a hot dog and cracked that right in the head um i I think that um the everyone's second team atalanta did quite well and it's quite an honorable run and yeah not the way you'd want to go out, especially when you were so close. But I think, yeah, I think they they can hold their head up high, knowing that they've got so far. The thing that I worry for them is that um, does their squad start to get picked apart now? So you see um, some of these mid 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 range clubs take take some deeper steps into the Champions League, and then they can't really repeat that because their better players get picked off. Do you see that happening with Atalanta? Yeah, well, Duvan Zapata's already linked with a move to Juventus, um, which hurts. But I think so, I think so. I think because Bergamo is like a fairly small place too, and like I think everyone saw the stat where Neymar's wage was basically the whole of the Atalanta Team, squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, th- I think they do, and I think you'd be silly not to as well. Um, cause mm. You're going to get them for a relatively good price. And there seems to be some high-quality players in there. So I do think they'll get picked off. If they don't, um, I wouldn't mind having a look at them to win the Serie A next year just with my other predictions of Juve struggling with their ageing squad and Atalanta being – like uh, Atalanta's a team on the up. Juve's very much a team on the down. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they can keep it together, um, that'd be great. But um, I just don't see that happening. I think the – the wages that um, yeah, the bigger teams can, can offer, not only in Italy but um, broader on across the continent, um, they'll probably get picked off, I'd say. But it'd be nice if they kept that score together and had a, had a role at the Serie A. What did you think of Tuchel's leg? So what's going on there? He's gone the he's, – for those who didn't see it, he's gone the, um, the moon boot on one. Um, I'm presuming some sort of ankle injury. And then, um, and then, yeah, he's just gone the dress shoe on the other. But then he's gone. He's gone like a really. Um, he's gone a short leg on the leg that he shortcut of the pant on the leg that is good. So then his ankles like just look really skinny on one side, but then he's got this giant moon boot on the other. I'm wondering um, what he's done there, and I think I'm going to have an educated guess that he kicked the dog. 
What do you think? I think it was an ankle transplant for Mbappe, just to make sure he got through in time. Those but I just, I, I just don't know. Yeah, some sort of shifting his ankle over to Mbappe to make sure he's fit for the game. It really impeded <laughs> his celebrations, though, didn't it? So he was on this little es- esky thing when they scored the second to to go through, and he couldn't even get up, and he was just just there like shaking his hands, but um, couldn't actually jump up and down with the excitement. And then at the final whistle, all of the coaching staff come over to jump on him, and he just sort of turned his leg out the way so no one could sort of um, jump on it. But, yeah, not not the best look there with the moon boot on. So let, let's have a look at the upcoming fixtures now. So you've got PSG up against Arby, and yes. PSG have some good players to come back in, don't they? Well, Maria, Mbappe, Mbappe's going to start now. Yeah, yeah Mbappe's going to start. Yeah, I, I think that they'll – we said this last time though, didn't we? Um, I think they're going to be too strong for um, RB and they'll probably go through um, to, to the final. I think one thing that's going to help them is ha- actually having one of those big competitive games under their belt and that this next game is coming sort of um, shortly. So, yeah, I think obviously when the, the French League got, got shut down, they didn't have that, that run of games that the other teams had, which is why they were rusty at the start. So I think – um, they'll go through on, on that one, just on, on sheer power. What do you think of that fixture? Well, whatever I think, people should do the opposite. Um, mm. my confidence, yeah, you're running cold at the moment. My, <laughs> my confidence has been battered. Um, yeah, yeah, look, um, I think PSG will get through and um, everyone's most hated team, Arby, will go out. Um, yeah. just, just based on the sheer quality of that PSG front line, hopefully. Like, hopefully. I, you'd, like to see, you'd like to see PSG in the final. And just to see what they could do against Bayern. Um, oh, so there you go, you buddy. Just, you just put Bayern through. So Bayern will do Leon for you, yeah. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Like, well, no, I don't hope so, but just for the sake of my tips, like they should. Yeah, they I, should I can't be, see yeah. them bottling it in the way that um, City did today because Pep's a bold fraud. But um, I like the the Hunty flick. Looks like everyone's neighbour's dad. He's just yeah. the most regular looking man I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think. I think we're looking at a PSG Bayern final. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I'd imagine both of those would be um, heavily favourites going into each of their ties as well. And I think Bayern are just a two. They're they're just a well-oiled machine and will just power past Leon, similar to um, Barcelona, but probably not to the same extent. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, you so, would hope not. <laughs> No, you hope not. And so, um, interesting that there's no Spanish or English teams um, in the semis for the first time in a long time. Yeah, made up of the farmers' leagues. You reckon? <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. We're going to get some um, get some heat from uh, over in uh, Frogland. Our Munich oh, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So we're both tipping Bayern to go through, and we're both tipping PSG to go through. Cool. So we move on to the very much the second tier of uh, Europe. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, we will. We've got a couple of great fixtures coming up, actually. Yeah, so um, Manchester United versus Sevilla is the first one. Yeah. Um, who do you like? Uh, I think I like Manchester United. Um, not really based on anything that I've seen more recently, but I think that um, they've got the ability to – um, improve their starting 11 um, more so than Sevilla. So Sevilla's been going through this competition and been playing um, pretty much their full-strength team, um, whereas Manchester United have been yeah, sort of rotating some players, some squad players through this tournament, especially early on. 
as we're getting through to these deeper rounds, they they just drop in another another player from the first team um, starting eleven, another player from the starting eleven each time. So I think Manchester United got some room to move on their their squad um, in terms of the quality that they can bring in. But I think yeah, this is going to be a, a tight one. I think the only drama Manchester United might have is just the the street smarts of um, Sevilla and a little bit more experience in um, this competition more recently than than Manchester United. What do you think? Yeah, so I think we've won it um, more recently than Sevilla, uh, just FYI. Um, but I think Sevilla will start favourites, and I think deservedly so. Um, I think last time Manchester United played Sevilla in a knockout stage, um, Jose got the tactics wrong and failed to shut down Eva Beniga. And I think that's that's the most critical part of this game for me is to stop him getting on the ball because he's just everything for them. Like he creates everything, everything goes through him. Um, and if you can nullify him, I think you can nullify a lot of the other players. So it'll be interesting to see what he does um, to do that because I don't think Anthony Martial is going to drop in too much to help out. So, yeah, you, you can't say that from Martial, can you? No, and I, like we're fair, like United are fairly rigid with the way they play. Like, you know, Solskjaer doesn't have like their systems that other clubs can adapt. Like, it's going to be a 4 3 3 more than likely um, with Fernandez, Pogba, maybe Fred, maybe McTominay, maybe Matic. Um, and like, you know, the front three will be fairly obvious too. So, I. I don't know. I just I worry about this because I think Sevilla just have too many strings to their bow. Yeah. Well, I, as I said, I think it depends what how many um, of the the regular first team Manchester United bring in. But if they bring them all in, I think they the quality that they have will just get them get them through. But we'll we'll see there. So I'm tipping Manchester United. Who you got? Uh, the heart says United, but the head says Sevilla. To be honest, I think they're better. <laughs> We'll see. Okay, so we might move on to the um, the other semi final there, Inter and Shakhtar. Yeah, the the bookies have Inter as um, big favourites here, but I, I think I think this is prime for an upset. Um, I and I've done fairly well at um, predicting upsets so that the other team goes through. Um, so I, I think I think Shakhtar are a bit underrated. Like you don't get to the last four for no reason, yeah. um, and. Like Conte, Conte's first season's always his best season, so he'll probably walk away with the trophy. So they they'd be doing fairly well. But I just think Shakhtar a bit of an unknown, a bit of Brazilian flair in there, and um, yeah, Inter looked good in the last round. But I thought Shakhtar just waltzed through, so I think they might be up for it. Okay, um, yeah. So I think I think Inter are going to get through. I think um, Lukaku is going to be uh, be a bit troublesome for for Shakhtar, but. Um, just because Shakhtar's um, just leave themselves a little bit exposed at the, at the back, they put their push their left and right back um, Dodu on um, a long way, and I just think that yeah, they might be a little bit more exposed um, to Lukaku's strength than um, than they might like, and I think Inter will get that done. So I'm predicting an Inter United final. Um, United yeah. A and United B. Yeah, that, that'd be good, and that, a nice little um, fairy tale there for for all of those um, players who've got the half half scarves of those clubs, um, and and those games coming up in the next couple of days. So um, next time we talk to you, we'll, we we will be reviewing those games. Um, anything else on the uh, 
on the second tier jobber? Or no, I think Monday, Monday, Tuesday, a couple of big days ahead, and then straight into the Champions League Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the Australian listeners. So yeah, we'll, we'll catch everyone at the at the back end of those games and, and review those. So we might move on to uh, transfer chat. Yeah, so the first first cab off the rank is um, Ramsdale to Sheffield United. That's a good signing, isn't it, from Bournemouth? Yeah, and and what's the what's the fee on that? I'm not sure on the fee. I thought it was about was it thirteen million. Yeah, it's not. That's not bad. And he's he's very young. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, is he going to have the the number one shirt? What's going to happen there? Well, I don't know if he'll have the physical number one shirt, but he will be the number one keeper. Um, I think the wider repercussions for this um, are for Dean Henderson. Like, what happens now to Dean? I I thought he was going back on loan to Sheffield United. Yeah, well, like, who knows? Especially um, in this environment, you've got to work out who's got some money to um, to come get him or, or I like, his wages aren't going to be too big. So I think a lot of the um, clubs, especially at the lower end of the table, could still afford him. So, um, yeah, it d- depends who needs needs him, I suppose. But, you know, uh, Manchester United now have Dean Henderson, David De Gea and Sergio Romero on their books. Yeah, well, you've got to have three keepers, but I think it's just unusual to have three keepers of that quality and all keepers are supposedly sort of in, the, in their prime years, years. Normally what you what you have is you have your your first team keeper who's um, in the prime of his career, um, right in that, in that sweet spot of sort of 28 to, to 32 for, for a goalkeeper. Then your, your second keeper and your third keeper are either ends of that. So your um, second and third keeper, one's going to be an older, um, sort of wilier guy who's been around um, the pros a little little bit longer than everyone else there and can teach um, they, these guys and, and, and help coach them and, and mentor them. And then what you do, then your um, other second or third keeper um, is going to be down the other end of the scale. So a younger guy sort of coming through, still learning still learning the ropes. So most clubs have that set up where they've got three keepers, um, one at the start of his career, one at the prime who's who's got the number one shirt and then one at the end to um, coach and mentor those those younger guys. And it looks like Manchester United have got three guys who are sort of all pretty much in their prime. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. They need to resolve that but pretty quickly because you don't want to be paying the wages on those three. Um, and you also don't want to be stifling Dean Henderson who could be the future England number one for 10 years. Yeah, the, the danger there is that one of them are going to get disgruntled and, and um, you know, agitate for a move or um, disrupt the, the dressing room. I think when they're balanced, like I just mentioned, um, you get you get less of that. But when they're all three of them are ready and willing and wanting to play, um, yeah, that's when you get some agitation and some uh, fallout in the dressing room. So the next um, one's a rumour raider, Chris Smalling to Newcastle. Yeah, see, I, I'm going to rate this one really low. I'm giving this a 2 out of 10 in terms of um, likelihood because he just recently made his move permanent to Roma from Manchester United, didn't he? He was initially on a loan deal and he's just firmed that up. No, didn't go through. Didn't go through, okay. Didn't so go then, through. Um, yes, why would you want to go to Newcastle? Um, no, <laughs> Excuse I, yourself. <laughs> no, I think a beautiful place. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure I can speak to the the rumours, but I think if you're Smalling, you're better off in, in Roma. I think he had a really good season over there, did quite well, um, and he could learn a lot of things um, playing playing on the on the continent. And as I said, he did really well, and his game sort of developed. He definitely needed a change from um, Manchester United. But, um, yeah, he got that, that game time in that, that he was after, a run of games, um, did rather well at Roma, and, yeah, I think that he should stay there, but we'll see what happens, hey. 
Yeah, I, 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 um, I think he'll move, but it won't be Newcastle. He's not going to go over with Brucey's boy, sadly. I think no disrespect to Newcastle, but I think he's probably a step up from Newcastle. And then, yeah, agreed. I think it's a step up from Newcastle. And then finally, Arsenal finally getting a player that they actually need, uh, a winger that comes um, tucks in. So yeah, it's great that they got Willing. <laughs> yeah, that's hopefully that'll solve those problems at the back because he's friends with Louise. Um, uh, I think it's, it's a good signing. It's, un, it's an unusually long deal for a player of his age. Um, and he joins a long line of Chelsea players who have joined Arsenal to stop competing for trophies. So I think, I think it's a really good signing. Yeah, I think I think it's a good signing. I think he's got some something to offer, but it's just not what um, Arsenal needs. So, yes, a, a good signing. And I think uh, this is rather opportunistic of, of Arsenal. I think he's sort of just become available in Arsenal. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take him rather than Arsenal sort of identifying that, hey, we need someone in this spot who can do this for these type of games and then go out and target him and bring him in. Uh, yeah, I think the the former um, has definitely not happened there. No, and they sacked the, Arsenal sacked the manager of football operations um, in the redundancies too. So potentially that one's like it's it's probably his last deal before he's gone. Um, yeah, I still I still think he'll be his quality. Like he he still doesn't get paid. He gets paid more than a Bamiang, but less than Ozil. So he fits nicely in that wage structure. Yeah, Bamiang's not going to be happy with that. You wouldn't think, especially after all the goals that he delivers. But yeah, as we said, I think. Um, Something that um, Arsenal fans think is nice to have, but not something they need. Bit of a luxury item there. So what about um, Jose's boy, uh, Vertonghen? He's off to Benfica. Yeah, I thought this was a weird one. Um, I, st- I feel like I've missed a step here because I still think Jan Vertonghen's a very good Premier League defender. Like It, se- it seems as though I think he's a little bit rushed going over to Benfica. I thought he'd land at like a Chelsea or a Manchester United, to be honest. I think Benfica is a bit of a surprise. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I was a little bit surprised. I'm not sure that I would um, see him moving to um, anywhere else in England. What I thought was more likely is that he would stay at Spurs. Um, I know he's been in and out of the team a, a little bit, but yeah, I think he's got a, a lot to offer there. He's had a long tenure um, at Spurs. So, yeah, I would have liked to see him stay there and um, and play for Jose's boys for a little bit longer. Um, yeah, I think he's got um, plenty to offer. Um, but, yeah, I think a, a move to Benfica um, isn't the worst thing either. I think, um, yeah, you're going to be competing for trophies domestically there um, with Benfica. So why not? Whereas Spurs, I'm not so sure, unless you go on a um, cup run of some description, that you'll be competing for any big trophies. Oh, I don't think Jose would like that. He wouldn't like it, but it's true, Jose. So you know, I love you. Um, any any other transfer chat? Nothing. Ozil still um, reversing the truck up to pick up your wages. Yeah, pick up the cash. And Jaden Sancho's deal is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there um, we go. We said we said that is still going, and it yeah, is. Yeah, it's oh, who cares anymore? Like someone just make a decision. Um, yeah, well, so, ring me when it's done. I think is, is what you want to say there. Yeah, yeah but um, that, that's still going. Just a mess. The other thing I was thinking about was um, so Barca get knocked out and they need a clean out. So do we see a fire sale at Barcelona? Uh, I don't think so. I think Barcelona are the type of guys that would just keep the players but bring bring more in and just have a massive squad. I think, um, you know, they've got obviously a far bigger budget than um, most of the other teams um, in La Liga simply because of the TV rights. They're distributed differently than they are in the Premier League to the, the two 
big three um, getting most of the wages there. So I don't think you see anyone getting sold um, there to to an extent. Like I think you, they they probably move on one or two, but I think they'll they'll keep the rest. It's it's all about who they can bring in more so than who they can get rid of. For me, what do you think? Yeah, well they can't they can't sell anyone for a profit. Like they want to offload if they want oh, to keep Messi. Yeah, yeah. If they want to keep Messi happy, then they might have to get rid of Griezmann because they don't look like they get along. Um, Suarez has got to go. He's old and slow and the amount he of looks times so he was slow he looks so yeah. slow man he's finishing um, quality but he's just his pace isn't what it was i do remember those days he was running around at liverpool just burning past defenders um with the ball and he's also closing them down rather rapidly as well but yeah those days are gone he looks slow they've got they've got to get rid of him um weisman uh weisman too dembele too he's like they've got to move him on he's always injured and again that's 130 mil down the drain there, coutinho yeah. is 142 mil over at Bayern Munich for two years. Continue to get a move, won't he? Where, where will he go? I don't know. Can anyone afford him? Or? Like in the COVID world? Like because I don't think anyone can afford – no one's going to pay 140 mil. Like what? what's a fair fee for him? Like I don't think anyone can afford to get him across. In terms of um, the transfer fee or the wages? Both. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Okay, um, we might move on to the mailbag. You've got mail. You've got mail. How is it, mate? Pretty, pretty thick. Um, yeah, look, it is. It always is. But um, I've come in with some fairly heavy criticism, as we uh, discussed earlier in the show, for not yeah. telling me where to send your mail. Um, so, it's at the start. so it's football played on paper at gmail dot com. Um, and if you're sending a letter in, uh, don't bother. I'm not giving out my address. Um, um, and so, we've got a, we've got, what about your Facebook page? You just tell everyone about our new Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Give us a like on Facebook, uh, Football Played on Paper. You'll see our logo. And then we're also on Twitter, um, which oh, is we, a brave new world for me. Mm. Um, so if you're following me, you may as well follow Trump at the same time. Um, you get the same level of activity and interest. <laughs> oh, so on, I imagine he's going to be resharing a lot of our posts. Um as soon as we sort of get get a bit of a roll on, but I'd like to distance myself from that. But <laughs> I, I really enjoy this this first letter. I really enjoy what he signed off his uh, his name as too. Um, okay, so our first email comes from Evan Evan Keegan, um, the Canadian salmon. So, oh, hey boys, keen listener and avid football fan. Didn't give him the self the title of avid listener yet. He just said no, keen. Right. Yeah, keen. which so he, yeah. he wants more. That's good. So, so we've got Dom at, at avid, and we've got um, old Evan Keegan at um, at keen. Okay, might have to put together some sort of special scale. Um, so, should VAR have some accountability for their own clear and obvious errors? Neutral supporter in this game, happy to see the energy drinks progress, okay, but a clear peno for Atletico today. Going on current form, these mugs wouldn't have even awarded a goal to Frankie in the 2010 World oh, Cup. Geez. Interested in your thoughts? <laughs> Much love, Evan. Yeah, okay. What do you think? Um, well, what do I think? I, I think that um, it, the, the VAR is clearly not working. So as a starting point, I should flag that I am not a fan of VAR at all. I think the goal line technology is great because it's black and white. You can see the ball cross the line or not cross the line, and it doesn't slow the game or impede the game at all. So I uh, should start with that. Um, and his question is, um, should they be accountable for their obvious errors? Yes, I, I think they definitely should. 
And I think on some of the dubious ones, um, what I would like to see is them to come out and say, look, this is what we saw and this is why it's a, this is the rule and this is why it was a penalty or a free kick or a handball or whatever the situation is. Um, because, yeah, I think people aren't any clearer on decisions now with VAR than they were previously without it. I think it's still a discussion point um, in the in the forums, in the blogs, on 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 podcasts, on on all all platforms um, about the refereeing decisions, and um, and just because VAR's been brought in, it hasn't cleared it up at all. What what do you think? Yeah, um, I feel mixed on this one because um, like the clear and obvious offsides, I'm happy enough because they're fairly binary, like. You're offside or you're not. Some of those ones where it's very tight, you know, I roll my eyes a little bit like a f- like half a foot as in like a human person's foot. Um, yeah. They they irk me a little bit because I'm like, oh, look, in the scheme of it things. It didn't affect the games, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And the handballs are irking me. Like if you're standing a wall and someone's booting a ball at you and you put your hand in front of your face, like you got to apply some judgment there. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, looks, it looks and it probably is a handball by the letter of the law, but you're asking them to – basically cop a ball in a face, which could, as we know now, <laughs> cause long-term damage. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there does need to be some accountability. We saw a couple of VAR officials stood down in the Premier League this year, so I think we're getting that way. But I, th- like, I think we're asking people to make, um, like make a decision about something that's not necessarily clear in a rule. Like we're asking them to rule on it when the rules can be quite discretionary. So they do need to be held accountable for the howlers, but then like, where do you draw the line? Um, so I don't, I don't really have an answer for this because like, obviously you can't just rip it up and say no more VAR, it's ruining football. Mm, can't you? I like that. <laughs> because then if if your team was the one who was aggrieved, you'd be like, if they had a video, they would have solved this. But like these are some of these decisions are just they're becoming so wild, like, and we're, we're still missing obvious errors. But then how far back do you go? So. Yeah, it, it needs work is, is the short answer, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it needs work is the short answer and then that would be part A of a much longer answer. Mm. So thanks for emailing in, Evan. Um, but yeah, look, we'll follow that. Um, so the next question comes from Andrew Wheaton. Um, so all right, lads, really enjoying the show so far. Hasn't scaled himself. Um, hey, Wheaton. I have a few questions for the mailbag. Oh, we've got Question a one. Yeah, well, again, the vetting process isn't great. So I have a few questions. So one, who's the signing of the Premier League season so far? Um, two, what does Leicester need to build on their league finish and cement themselves as a top team? Three, do you see Lukaku returning to the Premier League? If so, where? Cheers, stay safe out there and keep up the good fight. I'll pass over to you. Keep up the good fight. So, what what was the first one? Who's the who's the best Premier League signing so far? Yeah. Oh man, that's that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I don't know who I who I'd nominate for that. I might pass over that one. Um, what yeah. does Leicester What does Leicester need to do? I think they need they need some more depth in their squad. I think. Um, I think the the first team quality is good enough. Um, to really compete at those high levels, I think. The um, the quality drops off there um, in terms of their depth of their squad. So we saw that in the let's call it the second phase of the season um, after after the COVID break, um, their squad was rather thin. They got a few injuries, and the 
they really just dropped um, a lot of points in that last that last um, part of the season, which cost them a, a Champions League spot. I think they were, yeah, were they 15 or something points um, clear of a Champions League spot? And after that, um, yeah, they really slid down and fell out of those spots. So I think they need to um, to pick up some some depth in, in their squad to sort of match the quality that they've got. So they've got some selection options. And question three was? Uh, do you see Romelu Lukaku moving back to the Premier League? If so, where? No. All right. Now, so what do you think is the best signing of the the Premier League season? Then, back to question so one. I had a couple. I had a couple of thoughts here. So best as in talented, I think Timo Werner. He's gonna he's gonna light up um, the Premier League. He's very exciting and very fast, but he's not the, he's not what Chelsea needed. Um, I think Hoiberg for Tottenham is a good one because that that's filling an obvious problem for them. So that's probably my signing of the season so far on the balance of everything. But then Aaron Ramsdale in the last couple of days could also be that because he was, again, solving a very direct problem they have. They got Dean Henderson last year. He was excellent, but so was Ramsdale at Bournemouth. So I think on the on the balance of everything, I'd probably go with my boy Hoiberg just because he's solving a problem. He's got good pedigree and um, he's going to help Jose Mourinho's Spurs be extremely boring next year, but extremely effective. So what do Leicester need to build on their Premier League season? Yeah, what do you again, think now? Depth. They just need to get depth. Yeah, uh, Jamie Vardy is not going to be around forever. I don't really like Inacho that much as a, a backup. Oh, um, terrible first touch. His first touch is horrendous. You've got a better first touch than him. Yeah. So actually, he's a better footballer than I was saying. Um, no, so yeah, look, I think they just need more depth, and I think I think they'll address that um, in the summer. And they seem to be selling very well lately. So there's probably some money there. They got um, some cash. Yeah. Got some cash. Do I see Lukaku return to the Premier League? No, I do not. I think he's had what West Brom, Everton, Chelsea, United, United. four clubs. Like I think that's enough. Um, I think he seems pretty happy there under Conte, and he he looks very fit too. Like Conte's got him in really good shape. Um, so I think I think he'll hang around in the Serie A, bang away goals for fun. Yeah, he was too heavy when he was at Manchester United, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad he sort of leaned up, and um, I think that'll lengthen his career as well. Yeah, uh-huh. no, he looks he looks very good. So I can't see him coming back. Um, so did- which is a pity. No, um, I can't see him come back either. So, did Wheaton give him uh, give himself a rating there on the listener scale or not? No, no, just that he was enjoying it. So maybe enjoyable somewhere under or above keen, but not quite uh, avid. Avid, okay. Grand job. So I'd say all that's right. about it for this week, isn't it? That's it. That's all we got. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we will be back uh, next week with the the wrap of the um, the Champions League, and um, we'll have those two semi-finals done in the Europa. So um, that email address, job one more time. That is football played on paper at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send your questions in via Facebook um, and also go on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a really good review. Um, that's probably the most critical step. If you're doing nothing else this week, if staying away from my tips would be to follow this one thing that I'm saying and go on Spotify and Apple and give us a good rating and say some nice things. Yeah, you're in lockdown. You've got nothing else to do. All right, guys, stay safe and we'll see you after the semis. Mm-hmm.